Ladies and gentlemen, we are live with the main event of the evening with a 60-minute time limit. The man in charge of this episode is your host and fearless leader, Vic Muscat. His decision is final as he enforces the wall inside the professional wrestling ring. He is referee Vincent Cantaloni. I just probably butchered your last name. I apologize. Actually, you got you got it completely correct, man. Referee Vincent Cantoni is the way oh, it's now. Three points. What a way to start a season. Three points. How you doing today? Oh yeah, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, you know, chilling here in the bedroom while my family is chilling in the other room, laughing their asses off. Just uh, probably cutting jokes and stuff like that. My entire family is wrestling fans, by the way. I'm the only wrestling fan in my household. So it makes gotta get the gotta get the kids into it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my three-year-old wants nothing to do with it. If he, if it's on TV, he'll be like, "What else is on?" My one-year-old daughter, she's more like, "What's that?" You know, ooh, colors. So yeah, he, when she gets older, she likes the colors and stuff like that. She'll probably get into it and be like, "Ooh, what's this?" Oh, that's violent. Cool. <laughs> It's just make-believe violence. Hey, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I have a stepdaughter uh, who has shaken baby syndrome. Her Mm -hmm. mindset hasn't really grown past uh, the mindset of a two-year-old, but she loves, like, she can talk, she's verbal. Uh, She can't hold a serious conversation but she can talk she loves professional wrestling and she laughs her ass off especially if it's hardcore because she's she's a sadist she loves seeing people get hurt like that <laughs> now when you say hardcore do you just mean like, like hardcore or like death matches barbed wire everywhere hardcore like uh death match type of hardcore she loves that shit that's my girl that's right Like I was showing her the other day, I went on YouTube and I was showing her uh, this uh, thing. I'll send it to you later if you want to watch it. It's called the New York Wrestling Connection uh, Psycho Circus Match. It is really violent. Yeah, send me that. I definitely, I'll definitely check that out. I trained with NYWC too, so I've taken part in quite a few psycho circuses. Yeah, so, so how, how did professional wrestling come about? Were you always a fan or did it fall in your lap and you just rolled with it? I was always a fan since I was a little kid, even before my family let me watch it. I was watching it on YouTube at school, uh, on the school computers. I always found a way to watch it. I was at my friend's house uh, watching it. Um, my father... Uh, is a heel manager on the independent circuit and i started going to his shows when i was a kid too uh when i when my family deemed me old enough to start watching it mm-hmm. and uh i recall this one time i was like maybe seven years old my dad was in the basement watching monday night raw and I just snuck down in the basement and I started chanting, go John Cena, go John Cena. And my dad turned around and he was like, you're not supposed to be watching this yet. And I just sat on his lap and started watching it with him anyway. Pretty much. It must have been nice because when I was growing up, it was VHS tapes and hopefully you'll catch it off the big satellite dish, not looking on, on YouTube. You had it made. Yeah, I mean... I started watching it on YouTube when I was like eight, nine, ten, when YouTube was really first starting out. Uh, but prior to that, I was like watching it on my dad's VHS tapes and uh, when no one was around type of deal. Who were some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? Uh, definitely The Undertaker, uh, Triple H, um, uh, Kurt Angle, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, definitely. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger has some really good matches to watch. And his match with Tyler Breeze at the uh, TakeOver Brooklyn pay-per-view in 2015 was really cool. 
that that was classic Liger. I mean, because he's been there in the business for God for years and years and years, even back back, back in the old uh, WCW uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Liger's been around, man. Oh yeah, yeah. and he he looked crisp against Tyler Breeze back in. Oh yeah, that that match was definitely classic, like one for the ages, barn burner. Do you think they just took Tyler Breeze's gimmick and just handed it off to Theory? Uh, kind of, but at the same time, Theory's been doing that gimmick for quite some time on the independent circuit before even signing with uh, WWE. I've worked with Theory before on a uh, Evolve show uh, mm-hmm. where I was basically like a referee for the pre-show and then a stagehand for the rest of the night. Because that was when I was like first starting in the business. So backstage, I was talking to guys like Roderick Strong, Austin Theory, uh, Cassius Ono, like really picking their brains and like seeing what I can learn and stuff like that. Here's a question to ask them next time: Why don't you return emails? Even if it's when I email them saying like, "Come, please come on the show." Da, 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 da. If I got an email back saying "fuck you," I would be like. Well, at least I got a response. Yeah, I, uh, with my emails, like, I just have the emails there to, uh, basically so I can set up my social media accounts, uh, how to contact me for, like, bookings and stuff like that. I will occasionally check my email, so that's pretty good, too, but there's also, uh, I put my email and my phone number on my, uh, Instagram page so people can contact me through my phone number, which I use more often, uh, Shoot me a DM on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm on Snapchat. So tell us about your first match as a professional wrestling referee. Was it success? Now, when we're talking uh, first match, are we can are we counting like birthday party shows and uh, stuff and uh, stuff like that, or are we just talking uh, first match in front of a live paying audience? Let's do both. Compare the two. So my first match in general was on a birthday party show. And it was a uh, singles match scheduled for one fall. One fall. One fall. <laughs> um, and it was pretty good. It was... um. I'm trying to think. It was Bull James because he was the head trainer of NYWC at the time. And uh, it was Bull James versus Matt Stryker, I believe. And how did that that go? It went pretty well. Honestly, it was one of my favorite matches that I've done uh, just because it was my first uh, match in front of a live audience, even though it was a birthday party show. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, still good experience. And then my first match in front of a live crowd was a Fatal 4-Way match. It was um, the Man of Steel Mike Verna Mm -hmm. versus Aiden Bell versus uh, Tyler Murphy versus Angelo Andrews on a New York wrestling connection. I believe the show was going the distance. Uh, that match, you could check it out on my YouTube channel, referee Vincent Cantoni. Mm-hmm. Was, there, was there anything that you wish you knew from your first day as a referee that you know now? Be more assertive. I was not very assertive when I first started like I am now because nerves and still learning and stuff like that I was just trying to like you know make sure I got my count cadence right and uh, my uh, you know how I'm checking on the wrestlers and stuff like that I just didn't think about being assertive until like a few matches in uh, because I was trying to focus on learning the other aspects of being a referee. Were there like 
other referees that you will watch on YouTube or whatever and be, try to influence your style along with theirs? Uh, I do watch a lot of old Whoa. We have lost him. He'll pop back up again. Give it time. You see, here he is. Wait for him to hook up again. Do, 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 do. What? Do, do, do. My family thinks I'm crazy. There he is. Sorry about that. Again, you know, the internet, uh, you know, not the best connection over here. Hey, this, is, but, this, is, um, this is America. What are you talking about? Yeah, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are referees that I watch on TV, YouTube, and stuff like that to try and learn from. Uh, Charles Robinson, Mike Piotta, uh Brian Hetner, Earl Hetner, uh, Nick Patrick. Uh, Jamie Cordieris. Those are pretty big names, actually. That's pretty you know, good list. Honestly, I think that for next year's WWE Hall of Fame, they should put Mike Kyoto in the Hall of Fame, considering he was with that company for a very long time and he would be the first referee technically to go into the hall of fame, considering that Teddy Long was a referee. Yes, but he was also a manager and he was the general manager of Friday night SmackDown, which is what got him into the hall of fame. Yeah. No one really remembers when he was a referee, unless you really go back far and look at the tapes. I mean, I, I do, but I'm in my forties. So you know, it's. I'll be 21 right. in August, man. But 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 it's like you're right. They I also it's like in. It's like they didn't have like Billy Gunn in the Hall of Fame just because of Billy Gunn. No, they had him as part of DX. So yeah, they, and they uh, I mean, I think next was, they might have him as part of uh, Billy and Chuck. But it was but it's like Teddy Long. They had they put him in the Hall of Fame, with the attention and their mind was on as the GM. A SmackDown, not Teddy Long, the referee yeah. or manager of Doom. Yeah, because like I remember when he used to manage Mark Henry and stuff like that. That was just really great work in the early two thousands too. It was. It was, but. Unless you're like a hardcore, like really like passionate wrestling fan, you don't really remember that. You remember him as the general manager of SmackDown. Yeah, he was also the uh, manager of Ronnie Mac, wasn't it? Uh, at one point, yes. Yeah. See, I, I know my Teddy Long trivia a little bit. I did a little bit, and I know. I'm down with the Mac Daddy. The Mac. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just wait till he tells you you got a one-on-one match later in the night with The Undertaker. <laughs> then I'm not down with the Mac anymore. <laughs> then, that, then, then things change. So what's the longest match you've ever been a referee at? The longest match? Uh, probably about 45 minutes, maybe more. What about the most brutal match? Ooh, most brutal. Uh, probably the Fort Apache steel cage that was held at Bronx Wrestling Federation or the uh, no disqualification match that I uh, did uh, for them, too. Have you ever been attacked by a fan or seen someone during a show get attacked by a fan? Yes, and I did get between the fan and the wrestler when that happened. Would, were you... Uh, gentleman like and just held the fan or did you get some shots in uh no i got some shots and i'm not gonna lie about that i got i got some shots in hey, along with security my kyoto uh, that we just talked about there's been incidents with fans that he got some shots in so all everyone gets shots in because fans 
some fans, not all fans, I don't want people to say like, oh, you met that yeah. the fans are morons. And if you cross that line, you deserve to get your ass kicked. Yeah. What some fans don't realize is that the guardrails are not there for our protection. They're there for the fans' protection. Yeah, and just them crossing, it's just like, uh, I've seen videos of fans like throwing headbutts at wrestlers and it took like security and referees in the back to separate the wrestler because the wrestler was like, oh, hell no, I went after him. Did you see the uh, interview that Pat McAfee did with Brock Lesnar? Pat McAfee with Brock Lesnar, no. Okay, so at some point on that interview, uh, Pat McAfee and Brock were talking about uh, fans in the guardrail to attack wrestlers. And the topic of the Monday Night Raw episode where Seth Rollins got attacked in the Barkley Center came uh, came up. And Brock's, Brock blatantly said, I fucking dare somebody. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah, I don't think anyone in their right mind would be dumb enough to attack Brock Lesnar. There's going to be that one fan, though, that one drunken knucklehead fan that would be like, oh, he can't do anything for me. He's a, like, he's a professional. He's a, and he's going to have learned the hard way. Yeah, let, let, let the wrong person fuck with Barack Lesnar the wrong way. That, 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 see, how, see how that plays out. <laughs> it's like that moron that thought, like, I'm going to attack Dave Chappelle. This would be a great idea, not knowing that his posse's around and he got his ass kicked. <laughs> it's like... You see, some people just don't know or respect boundaries. It's like, we're putting on a show... For your enjoyment, sit down, watch a show, and if you don't like something, there's the door. Go ask for a refund. Yeah. Simple. Simple, easy. If you don't like it, don't watch. There's no logical explanation for attacking a wrestler. Because all it does is disrupt the show. Yeah, you're right. And afterwards, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, no, you sorry is not going to cut it. I got to cut it. I mean, f- press forward. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry is not duct tape. It does not fix everything. No, but some people think it does. You see, sorry is a word. If you're really sorry, you prove it with actions. Well, well said. But you, but you know, there's a society that we live in these days. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. And speaking right. of fans, uh, why don't we talk about the topic of uh, the reason why Chris Jericho has heat right now? Oh, that's right. We talked a little bit about this, about he's sick and tired of people like pointing out botches or whatever like that or criticizing botches. Yeah. And as I posted on my Facebook, I completely agree with Jericho. I don't know why he's catching heat for this. He's right. Like, the fans that are calling out the botches that are going on in the ring probably haven't stepped in a ring a day in their life. No. Like, they don't know just how difficult it is to do what we do on a day-in, day-out basis. We put our bodies on the line. We put our lives on the line for the fans' enjoyment. It is choreographed and scripted yes we do know what's going to go on everything is planned everybody knows that however it's live entertainment and accidents happen we're human humans make mistakes point blank period like it's not like you don't like jericho said you don't see those same people going to broadway shows and chanting you fucked up when a actor stumbled on their lines. But you yeah. see it all the time at wrestling events. Yeah, but they, they watch the shows. They, show. they watch the shows. They play the games. We we have a voice on social media to say, you fucked up. That's a bunch. <laughs> they just feel you like see, the people that are doing that are just keyboard warriors who have never stepped foot in a ring a day in their lives. So, I had Josh, Joshua Caval on one time, he said that he really believes that when you turn 18, you should get a punch right in the mouth. 
It really depends. Like, I mean, I'll punch if I'm provoked. Yeah, but it's like so many keyboard warriors and so many people that think that they're privileged and the shit to this thing who hasn't been in a fight before. One little punch, attitude changes. That I can agree with. But at the same time, I'm like, step in a ring, learn their craft, and then see what it's like. Because, like, people judge professional wrestling based on what they see on TV, YouTube, the internet, and whatnot. But they don't know the ins and outs of the business. They don't know what we go through on a day-in, day-out business, both in and out of the ring. They don't know what it takes. And most of them probably never will. You think that's because, you know, I don't want to take, this is not a jab towards WWE or anything, but like WWE, they'll have like the certain picture uh, camera angles to make it, you know, look like, you know, no, to give you the entertainment. But if you go to an independent show and you see live, you see the ring and you see how thin the, the board is and you see it like the ring, like shake around. I've been through events where you had to hold the cage, the cage was staying up. And the front row fans had to hold the cage up for the wrestlers. Yeah, like, it's like, like, they, said, like, people just don't know. Like, that ring is wood about this thick, a mat about this thin, and the rest is steel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you have to go to an independent show to really, like, see what you're talking about because WWE with their certain camera angles they're not going to show it yeah because WWE tries to make everything seem perfect and peachy like if they maybe focused on making it seem more like an indie show where you could actually see how the ring is maybe people would have more respect for our business I would think so I had respect for the business even when I went to my first indie show, and when I went to my first indie show, I was just like, wow. I was like, this ring is actually a piece of shit ring. It's like... Yeah, and, and the thing is, all rings are like that. It's just that WWE's production quality hides it really well. Yeah. So they got the money, too. So. Yeah, they also got the hush money, too. Yeah, that's after you pay off the $12 million, yeah. Do, do you find it funny that right in the midst of the whole hush money is going on and shit like that, all of a sudden it's like, we're going to be TV, like PG-13 now. We're not, the PG era is over. Do you find that kind of suspicious in the timing? I kind of do. Like, it's just like, if you're going to go, like, TV 14 like it used to be like back in the ruthless aggression era right after a scandal like this wouldn't be the ideal time to do that yeah I mean it kind of turned the attention away and there's another thing Jericho said which he's right I mean if it's out of Vince's pocket it's frowned upon it's bad but it's not illegal yeah, I mean, it's, it's not illegal unless the woman cries rape. Yeah, which no one's... If, it was, one if, it, if, it, if it was consensual, then there's really nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but there was that case back in, like, the 80s, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, I think so. But, like, either it's way, if it's, like, if it's consensual and as adults they agree to it, Given it's wrong because Vince is married, yes, so is John Laurinaitis. But at the same time, they're grown adults and they know what they're doing. Doesn't mean it's the right decision for them. And they should be condemned for their actions as far as cheating goes. But if the encounters with said worker were consensual, then there's really nothing illegal about it. I see at the end of the day, Nothing would happen to Vince, but John Laurinaitis is gone. They'll throw him underneath the bus. Yep, no more people power. Yeah, it's, that's too bad. Aw, that, that reminded me, people power reminded me to, of a right to censor. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. 
Righteous Center was like one of my favorite factions growing up too. On the saddest day in my wrestling life was when the Godfather joined Right to Center and gave up the hose. Saddest day. In my oh life. yeah, I was like, oh. It's like that's it's like no, this is a the joke, Godfather right? So you guys like this is a joke, right? No, no. Uh uh, wrestling back in the 90s and early 2000s was the best, man. It was, and it changed the face of professional wrestling, but I always liked the late 80s and 90s with the Horsemen and Dusty Rhodes. Oh, and- absolutely. That, 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 that's classic. Because it wasn't that... That means the storylines he's winning. They also didn't worry about, you know, having the six pack of abs or doing all the flippy shit and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I understand things change. And yeah, one of my favorite matches of all time was uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage for the Intercontinental Championship. I remember that match. That match was good. That was one of the. One of, one of my favorite matches when we talk since we talked about Teddy Long, Doom versus the Horsemen, Starcade '90, tag titles, yeah. street fight. That match, I think, was a that match has been buried. It's I don't understand why because that was a classic. First time ever, yeah. like on live TV, it was a double pen, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, what happened? What did we do?" Yeah, if any match deserves to be buried. Definitely the Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt uh, House of Horrors match. That match was just god awful. Yeah. They wasted him. That's all they did. WWE did. They wasted, wasted Bray Wyatt. They completely wasted Bray Wyatt. They, they, they've been wasting a lot of characters lately. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, for example, Keith Lee. Wasted on the main roster in WWE, but now is thriving on AEW. Yep. One half of the new tag team champions in AEW. Yeah, him and uh, another talent that WWE wasted uh, Shane Strickland, now going by Swerve Strickland. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott when he was in WWE. But, like, he's a very talented worker. I've worked on shows that had him on it before, and he is by far one of the most talented in-ring workers I've seen in a very long time. And his promo skills are up, like, raising the bar every time. He's that good. And Keith Lee, he was really good at NXT, former NXT heavyweight champion. I think he was also a North American champion, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's the first one to hold them both at the same time. Yeah, and goes to, w- goes to the main roster and... Same with Kerrigan Cross, Killer Killer Cross. Yeah, they wasted his gimmick too. And one of the things I didn't like about him being called up to the main roster was that they split him and Scarlet. Yeah, they have to be together. Like they're a package deal, man. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, someone Speaking of Scarlet Bordeaux, she's doing OnlyFans now. Have you checked? Have you? Be honest. Have you paid for a subscription? Not yet. I have it, but it's like it's twenty dollars. It's like twenty dollars, and you just see. Look at me. I'm in a bikini. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it is what it is, man. But you know, it's like if they can make money off it, people. Godspeed. Go for it. It's just my for me. It's just. Yeah, uh, I'd much rather say, I'd much rather give, like, they ask for a fee to come on the show, much rather just pay the fee. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just, yeah. It is what it is, man. Do you think, here's a question. Do you think if I did subscribe to her OnlyFans and sent her a message about her coming on the podcast, you think she'll re- respond? She probably would. I, I mean, I don't see why she wouldn't. It's like I'm spending $20 just to get her to send you a message. Like I deserve at least a, like I said, just a fuck you. I'll be happy with It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, a message is a message. 
I'll be one of those guys who be like, Scarlett told me to fuck off. Isn't that great? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I honestly love Professor Wong, though. I have since I was a kid. She's actually been in the business for a while, has she? Yeah, she has. Uh, so has uh, Killer Cross. And they're better than I, I got. I got blocked like so many different ways by uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte. Oh Lord! So I was like, "Isn't isn't this a red flag when someone poses to one girl, and ten months later proposes to another one? Is it just me? Is that, is that a red flag?" That kind of does seem like a red flag, though. I'm not even gonna lie. That does seem a bit red flagish. And I mean, <laughs> that's just Instagram, Twitter, just everything. Boom, got blocked. I was like, "Whoops, I hit a nerve." Meanwhile, I got like, yeah. like I got like a hundred and some odd like likes and a bunch of recent. That's also kind. That's also kind of like how with. Um, Joey Janela and Penelope Ford, how once they broke up, she immediately got with Sabian, and then a few months later, were engaged. Well, kind of tell you something, there might have been some little hanky-panky behind the scenes, but, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. But. So what's, what do you think is would be the strangest weapon you ever seen in the ring while being an official uh, refereeing that match? I want to say either a car tire or a kitchen sink. Kitchen sink? How do they get a kitchen sink in the ring? Uh, basically, you buy a metal sink from, like, Home Depot. You put it under the ring, and then they... Put it in the ring. Just oh, this happened to be underneath the ring. The sink. Yeah, basically. Wait, wait, what do you know? Hey, if you need to make room, though, you know, it's still underneath the ring. Makes room. Basically. Yeah. So what's yeah, one? I... Go ahead. Sorry, but yeah, I I just love professional wrestling, like hardcore and like tag team and like. Anything professional wrestling related, I, I I love it, man. Like it's it's a, it's definitely an experience. Like, do you believe AEW kind of like I'm not saying AEW is gonna be so big it's gonna top WWE, but do you think AEW started the independent wrestling revolution, making it's like making it have a roaring comeback? Because for such a long time it was just WWE, Raw and SmackDown. Now you hear so much more about independent wrestling. Yeah, honestly, I think AEW did help out a lot with that, considering a lot of their roster when they first started, instead of being all former WWE guys, was a few former WWE guys, a few Ring of Honor guys, a few New Japan guys, and then, like, the rest was, like, all indies. Like, they brought in guys, like, Darby Allen and Joey Janela. The list goes on. Like, and now these guys are big stars. MJF, for example. MJF. What's going on with that one? Uh haven't really talked to him in a while, but uh there's a lot going on behind the scenes with him, I would assume, with uh, him and Tony Khan. I say at the end of everything, it's going to result as MJF being the world champion. Yeah. It's, Honestly, it's- I feel like the stuff that uh, MJF is doing with Tony Khan is a work. I don't think it's a shoot. So you don't think you think it's re- is it real? I think it might be a work. It's possible. I thought about, you know, because around that time, the whole Sasha Banks, Naomi debacle was happening. So, you know, kind of like a jab back at WWE or something similar. Yeah. 
But who knows? But that was a hell of a promo he did, though. Oh, yeah. That that was almost as good as CM Punk's uh, pipe bomb. Yeah. CM Punk's pipe bomb, though, I think no one had the guts to do, and he was the first one who did it. That's what made the promo so great. Yeah, that's what it made so great. Especially when they cut off his mic. MJF is such a natural heel, though. He is. Like, he does some okay face work, but as a heel, best in the business. He doesn't give a fuck. What do you you think about AEW, though? You know, being unscripted and everything. You've been seeing some of uh, Christian's interviews, like his couple of his promos. Yeah. Uh, he's dropping bombs. He is. And uh, speaking of good heel wrestlers on the independent circuit, should definitely check out Mr. Darius Carter. Darius Carter? Yeah, he is a phenomenal heel. Uh, he is one, He is the longest reigning Brie Combination Wrestling World Champion. Uh, he is. He has been champion with Warriors of Wrestling. He's been champion with Pro Wrestling Magic. Uh, he's just so talented in the ring, on the mic. His work is just phenomenal. Why no big company has picked him up yet is beyond me. Because a lot of companies have their heads up their asses. That's why. Like, yeah. Uh, Rubber City's um, wrestling has a guy, uh, Miles Jacobs, young wrestler, and I think he is a amazing heel, but no one's looking his way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just some. Um, but then again, the wrestling business is really saturated these days, isn't it? Like, everyone wants to become a wrestler. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if dropping my phone every which way. Sorry about that. Oh no problem. My my phone stand does not want to work today. That's <laughs> that's what I love about this show. You know, shit happens and you know a lot of podcasters who get upset, I just laugh. Yeah, my, my my uh my phone stand does not want to work today, so I'll just use my hand for the duration of this uh interview. <laughs> Well, if he gets tired, let me know. So, what, if you had to do a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, who would be on it? Now, this is your opinion. Don't think about, you know, oh, well, you know, Hogan was this, so it has to hold Now, this is your Mount Rushmore. To them. My Mount Rushmore would be Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, The Undertaker. That's good. I don't understand why everyone dikes The Undertaker so much. I've never been an Undertaker fan. I like him for his in-ring work and his work ethic. Like, as a Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, has uh, said in the Undertaker documentaries, he's gone out there injured. He's gone out there sick with 103-degree fever, needing a post-nasal drip like when he got back into Gorilla. Like, the dude's a beast. Like, he does not make any excuses for missing anything. I respect the guy. It's just everyone's like, you know, head over heels for him. And it's just like, yeah, he was a great wrestler, but it's just something like if you go past your prime, like when you're supposed to retire and you see in the ring your skill sets being diminished because of your age, if you don't just step down gracefully, I just don't. It's like Ric Flair, for example. What the hell's going on with that? He's got, he's coming back for another run, apparently. My opinion, he this last match was Shawn Michaels Flair WrestleMania. That was it. 
Yeah, except after that, and he was kind of forced into retirement uh, for that one because Vince McMahon wanted him gone. But after that, he did pretty decent work in uh, TNA. He did do that. Did he? I don't think he wrestled, though, did he? No, he did. He had some great matches with Jay Lethal, too. Oh, the Jay Lethal Rick that one of the bright spots of TNA during back in the day. Yeah, the black machismo, Jay Lethal, doing the Macho Man uh, as kind of gimmick. So in your career, who have you met wrestler-wise that you think will know? Uh, who have I met that? Well, I couldn't really hear the last part. Sorry about that. My like phone kind of... Like, like people that like we, we see on TV and stuff like that. Ah, got it. Uh, well, this brings me into some road stories. Um, I've carpooled with Abyss. I've carpooled with Michael Elgin. I've carpooled with Sabu. I've uh, worked with uh, The Ascension. Uh, let's see who else, who else? Um, Michael Elring. I don't know Paul Elring. I'm sorry. I'm a bit did a bit pre gaming before the uh, before the event. Uh, yeah, b- before the podcast, I did a little uh, little uh, smoking and drinking because um. It's my day off from work, so why not? <laughs> it's that type of show. Haven't you seen the smoke, these, uh, the, 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 what I call them before, the special smoking session episodes where Russell and I would just like sit back and just like talk nonsense? So we, it's, it's like a typical Beavis a Butthead episode while we're smoking dope. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what type of show this is. Yeah. But uh, like, honestly, though, like, uh, Paul Elring uh, celebrated his birthday with him uh, in uh, New Jersey. Because, like, we were working on this uh, 24-hour Facebook Live auction, and he was there promoting some stuff, and uh, we ended up uh, taking a break and uh, celebrating his birthday and everything, and that was really cool. That's just sweet. That really is cool. Um. God rest his soul, a uh, road warrior animal. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of names that I've uh, met, work. Uh, Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan. I, like, I, think I, I think I sent you that match on uh, Instagram in the DM. I think I sent you the match I did with Joey Ryan. <laughs> Didn't he just get fired from Disney? Wasn't that the big rumor? Uh, the screen's freezing. Uh, didn't he just what? Didn't he just get fired from Disney? Like working at Disney? Uh, I wouldn't really know that. I haven't really talked to Joey Ryan in a while. Uh, last time okay. I talked to him was like maybe 2020, 2021 possibly. It's been a while since I've talked to Joey Ryan. I'm not talking about Disney as in like, oh, he's you know, like doing a Disney movie or something. He was like, he was one of those guys that controls the rides, you know, one of those like those level jobs. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm not really sure. I haven't been keeping tabs. Well, he you had know, a- after all the allegations, like. He was gonna say, yeah, he had about what, like twenty different women or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's that's all you can say is yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I by no means condone anything that uh, went on during the speaking out movement. Like the guys that got, you know, called out on their bullshit. Maybe they should have thought twice about it before doing that. Is there one guy though 
I think got hosed over. Marty Squirrel. Yeah, his was. Uh... I mean, yeah, it was gray area. Okay, it was gray area, but in his country, though, it was it's legit. It's legal. And he was in it was he was apparently in his country when he did it. But since it's like still too young in our country, was frowning upon it. It's like you weren't on America, you weren't in the United States doing it. You were in England. England, I guess it's 16. Yeah, and in some state, even in the United States, some states are 16. Most are 17, 18, but in some states, the legal age of consent is 16. But too young, and I don't condone what this girl did. I don't condone it. It's too young. Whether it's legal or not, it's too young. Uh, I just feel like if it was legal, it's just like, why do we care? Same thing happened with James Ellsworth, though, too. Why with James Ellsworth? I heard a little something, but I didn't hear the details. Uh, apparently, he was sending inappropriate pictures of himself to a 16-year-old child. Oh, Vince McMahon did that. It cost him a million dollars, but I'm not saying. I don't think he was 16. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Yeah, that would be for. Doesn't people understand technology and Facebook land and stuff like that? There's something called screenshot. Yeah, I mean, like. It's just like. It's just so. Like, why would someone be that fucking stupid? Like, why? And I like James Ellsworth. I had him on the show twice. I, I do too. He's 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 a great guy, great worker. Some of his best work was before he even signed with WWE in the in the first place when he was uh, doing the Pretty Jimmy Dream gimmick. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, just Marty Squirrel, I think he's getting a little bit of a bad, bad, rough deal. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty rough considering it's legal where he's at, but at the same time, there's got to be at least some kind of boundaries. Like, you're a grown man going after a 16-year-old kid. Like, it would, like it, would, it would make more, maybe be a bit more acceptable if he was, like, 17 18 and doing that since it's legal there but like to be a grown man and going after someone that young is a bit overboard i'm also scaling this on like you know austin theory during this whole speak out thing movement a 13 year old he's a 13 year old i guess she was like 15 when she stepped forward but when she was 13 some things and pictures were passed back and forth. And what happened to Theory? Got demoted to the NXT main event status. And look at him right now. Sammy Guevara, 60 days, you know, do something like see what happened to Sammy Guevara. He said something inappropriate. He got suspended for a while, had to take sensitivity classes. All right. But to totally blackball Mari Squirrel, I. I yeah, know. I believe the black bowling was uncalled for, though. Like, like, if you want to like do some like therapy or you know something, smack him back of the hand, okay. But I, I thought he re- he retired until the other day. Yeah. Really, I'm not condoning the message sixteen year olds, but I'm just saying if it's legal in your country. Like if it's legal in your country to fuck a goat, and you want to fuck a goat, go ahead and fuck a goat. It's legal in your country. Have fun. I mean, it's all it's all a matter of perspective and uh, how the law systems are wherever you're at. Yeah, it's. Uh, anywho, so you also know some wrestlers from uh, AEW, don't you? Yes, uh, I do. Um, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, uh, Mark Quinn from the Tag Team Private Party. Uh, yeah, I've uh, worked with a few of them. And you've been refereeing for how long? Since 2018. 
Tim, so over like four years, you met that star, much star power. Yeah, basically. I was trained by a lot of star power, too. Dude, that must be like when I started in the business. When I started in the business, I started training at a wrestling school in Deer Park, Long Island, New York, called New York Wrestling Connection. I believe it's one of the top 10 wrestling schools on the East Coast of the United States, and I think top 20 in the entire country. Jesus. How much does that cost? Um, actually, I. It didn't cost me that much because I knew the promoters of the company. Oh, nice. That's sweet. Good job. Yeah. I was trained by ECW original Mikey Whipwreck. Yep. I oh, was trained by former NXT superstar Bull James, but then he was known as Bull Dempsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Silver, Alex Reynolds. Uh, Matt Stryker, uh, Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor, and that's basically... Oh, and Mike Mondo from the Spirit Squad. They all trained you? Yep. Just to be a referee? And wrestle. wrestle? I'm also trained how to wrestle. Okay, so this was like... I do do plan on making the transition from referee to wrestler sometime in hopefully the near future. There you go. So you have like goals to just not just to wear the zebra shirt for all your life. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to start out as a referee and then eventually work my way up to being a wrestler. It's just that I wanted to get that in-ring experience and feel for the crowd first. Smart. Smart. You can point at Danny Davis. That way I see what works, what doesn't uh, as far as uh, playing to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Do you do you prefer being a when you become a wrestler? Do you prefer being a face or a heel? Definitely heel. Definitely heel. I hear it's a lot easier to be a heel because baby face you have to like pay attention, more attention to the emotions of the fans, and a heel is just like fuck it. No, I just I just want to be a heel so I can get paid to be an asshole. <laughs> that works too. That works too. Everyone just wants to be a Superman these days, but no one wants to be a Joker. Yeah, I I would much rather be a Joker, Lex Luthor type of. Uh, I've always liked the villain. So, got like another ten minutes left. What's your opinion about the interim championships that AEW's have? Uh, I think that they are necessary just to keep the title on TV. But at some point, the when the champion comes back from whatever they're going through, they should get a uh, match to either keep the title or to lose it to the interim champion and have them become the champion. But isn't it just the 30-day clause a lot easier? Just like after 30 days, yoink, tournament, or is it just like long-term storytelling? I think it would be better for long-term storytelling to have the original champion, when they come back from their injury, have a match for the title against the interim champion to see who's like the, uh, I guess, undisputed champion would be. That would be a hell of a pay-per-view main event. It would, like, especially if John Moxley is still the interim world champion by the time CM Punk comes back. They could put on a really good story. CM Punk, the straight edge, and John Moxley just getting out of rehab not long ago. Could, be like, a, could be like his feud back in, like, 2009 against Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good feud. People don't That feud about- doesn't get enough credit it doesn't i mean that that underrated few very underrated because punk did go well when like, he went town on jeff hardy yeah and then like right after that wwe is like oh by the way we need you to lose the title of the undertaker huh. after the setup, all of that the setup though after the uh, ladder match with jeff hardy 
and Punk was like above, you know, Jeff Hardy with like the, the holding the belt up, and then the lights went out and went back on again. It was the Undertaker underneath CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a cool setup, but at the same time, I feel like Punk deserved to have the championship longer than he had it. Mm. Because, like, at that point, he only really had it on and off for like uh, like the a few months in that feud with Jeff Hardy. So, I'm like, he really deserved better than what he got but he ended up getting the shit end of the stick because like at the time they were like we want to see if you could work heel did some of the best heel work of his career only to drop the title like a few months later to the undertaker of course because he's he's the undertaker like that that wasn't necessary he could have walked the undertaker later down the road but he deserved to have the title longer than he had it I agree. I agree. Like, have him lose it to like, WrestleMania or something like that. That would have been post like WrestleMania. Yeah, like at that point in CM Punk's career, he was very, very underrated. Yeah. He was. So, if professional wrestling never existed, what would you be doing with your life? Uh, probably something in the entertainment industry, maybe acting, maybe, uh, I do like business, so I'd probably be running my own amusement park since I do have a lot of land over here. Mm -hmm. I just want to be the type of person that makes people happy, like entertain the masses type of thing. Like, I just want people to have a good time, you know? Yeah. That's how I've always been. Entertainer. I like that. I like that. So in five years, what do you see yourself? In five years, hopefully signed to a major promotion. If you could pick any promotion, what would you prefer? AEW. Is there any reason behind it? Behind why or just... Uh, just because I know more people there. Uh, oh, yeah, another one of my trainers, Tony Nese, currently wrestles for AEW, too. Can't forget Tony Nese. Yeah, but uh, Tony Nese, the premier athlete, what and what an athlete he is. Like, I grew up, before I started training, I, I grew up watching him at NYWC shows, tearing the fucking house down. No, he's a hell of a, he's a hell of an athlete. He was uh, on NXT, wasn't he? Yeah, he was on NXT. He was on the main roster. He at WrestleMania 35, he beat uh, Buddy Murphy for the NXT. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, WWE Cruiserweight Championship before they put that title on NXT. And look how far he went. Yep. So what's coming up for you in the near future? Uh, in the near future, uh, I am moving uh, from Emory, Texas to Amarillo, Texas, so I could uh, be closer to my work with Top of Texas Professional Wrestling. Do you have any shows that's coming up that you're going to be a part of? Uh, I would have to talk to the promoter of Top of Texas Wrestling uh, uh, to see what dates he's got me on, because right now it's all up in the air since I am preparing to move there, so... Kind of got my hands full with that. But uh, looking forward to getting back in the ring sometime soon. So you're just taking care of taking a time out, taking a breather, taking care of the move, some personal stuff. Yeah, taking care of some personal uh, stuff right now. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm always looking for booking. So if anyone, any promoters see this and decide that they want me on their show, preferably in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, feel free to hit me up and I will be there. Uh, I'm very, very easygoing, negotiable. I'll work with you. If you'll work with me and stuff like that, meet at a happy medium type of thing, you know? And where can they find you on social media so they can send you a message? 
Okay, so on Instagram, I am at referee underscore Vincent underscore Cantoni. On Facebook, you can send me a friend request, uh, Vincent Cantoni. Also like my uh, Facebook like page, referee Vincent Cantoni. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at ref Vin Cantoni. Uh, capital R, capital V, capital C, no spaces. Well, referee Cantoni, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for coming on. Anytime. Would love to be on again sometime soon so I could actually uh, get a chance to share my road stories because uh, today. Uh... Dude, we'll be talking. We'll definitely be talking. I hope we don't mind being coming back on like soon. Like quickly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just let me know when the next show you're doing is and I'll be right there. All right, man. We're going to keep in touch. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching on YouTube. This is Vic Muscat following back from my little adventure at the hospital, but I'm back. Thank you for watching, everyone. Referee Katoni, take care of yourself. You too, brother. Hey, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.